Steelers by the Lake podcast. My name is James Strong, joined once again by my co-host Cody Tanner. Cody, how are you on this Tuesday? Wednesday. Wednesday evening. It's, it's Wednesday one of those now. days. It's a day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took a little while to get this out. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right, James. How are you doing? Doing okay, buddy. I'm doing okay. Looking forward to the off season. My favorite time of year is finally here. Other, uh, you know, other than, than I was hoping for, other than earlier the Super Bowl, if we're in it, you know, yeah, that's yeah. a good time. Um, James, <laughs> I'm I'm purposely wearing my Steelers camo uh, because I don't know if you saw them on the other night on Monday night or Monday afternoon. I didn't see them. Then they didn't show up to play. So, oh wow! Yeah. So you're saying they're in in camouflage? Yeah, that that would, probably would have helped. I don't know. I'll tell you who's not in camouflage these days, Cody. We're starting off with Steelers by the Lake news. We there are. was an article written by Feedspot. They did a study, and they determined based off of uh, downloads, social media, frequency of podcast episodes, that and sort of thing. And freshness. Freshness. Freshness, baby. Um, top 20 Steelers podcasts out there. We hit number 12, Steelers by the Lake. Neither one of us former... NFL stars, uh, neither one of us working for organizations that directly report on the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, just doing this as our, our part-time hobby that we absolutely love. Uh, <laughs> here we are. Yeah, sitting at number 12 out there. I think we were even in front of Ben Roethlisberger's podcast on that. So I don't know if I they count that as a podcast. Um, yeah, they should. It is. I know, which is weird. I, I'm actually shocked they don't. I don't know if it's only – I don't know if that's only because it's – I think it's only uh, – YouTube, but I don't know if there's audio out there for it or not. There probably is. I don't know. Yeah. Now I'm curious about that. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to look into that. I'm now you got me curious. But yeah, so top twelve. Um, that's huge. When there's you actually hundred or more out there, man. There's, there's a ton. Oh, of there's a ton. Out there. Yeah. There's there's definitely I mean, the one thing gave me the option of show show because uh, it's it showed me the top nineteen if you use the link. We did share this to social media on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, if you use the link, it takes you to that website and that article written uh, very briefly. But it says at the bottom, show 19 to 100. So there's at least 100 out there, um, if Ooh. not if not more. So you have to imagine. So it's just a blessing. Uh, we both feel very blessed and honored uh, to be named in, in the top 12 Steelers podcast, especially when you think about the volume and just the the size of what the Pittsburgh Steelers are and their reach and everything like that. And even us, we, you know, we've seen downloads for our podcast here in um, – in Germany and Australia and Ireland and the UK, Spain recently. Um, I think we got some, like we got some other crazy places, Taiwan, Taiwan, Puerto Rico. Um, So we're out there, we're out there and that's just really cool and and exciting to, that people are bonding over the Steelers on, on our page and and in our content. So that's really awesome. And um, if you guys did see the, the thing we posted, or if you haven't go look at it on Facebook, but we are excited for 2024. We're going to try and do a lot more to improve the quality of the audio of this podcast, the visual aid of the podcast uh, here on YouTube, if you're watching. And then also just be more active on social media, uh, engage with you guys more, talk about the Steelers, do more things uh, to kind of bring this community together around the Steelers and uh, Steelers by the Lake podcast, because we love doing this. That's why we started doing it since 2019. Uh, and uh, I don't think we're going to stop. So. Yeah, man. Five years running now. This is our fifth calendar year. That's ridiculous. Uh, Running forward also, we're going to be doing shows on Sundays. So look forward to those being released Sunday afternoon to evening. 
uh, or they should worst case scenario be available for you on Monday morning for your commutes to work. Uh, also, we're going to start doing some YouTube live videos. Yep. We'll tell you beforehand. We'll tease it for a couple of weeks, let you know when to expect us, what time. Uh, join us and it'll be like a live Q&A kind of thing where we, we just talk Steelers and anyone can join in on the conversation uh, and just have some fun with it. Uh, if you happen to be a Bills fan named Austin, you can join us as well. Uh, and we, we won't turn you down. Yeah. yeah. Even though I'm a little bit bitter about it still, uh, we'll, we won't turn you down. <laughs> uh, man, I tell you what, they had a cold day up there. Oh, my Lanta, did we have a cold day down here too, down in the, the yeah. southwest Virginia parts. Um, it, it was definitely a cold one. So work was fun, kind of busy, kind of not, just kind of hit or miss. But let's let's go ahead and talk about uh some Steelers news we'll talk about this game the matchup against the Buffalo Bills and the super wild card matchup was supposed to be played on Sunday at one o'clock wound up getting moved to 4 30 but before we do that uh Eric Rowe and Miles Jack the uh, safety and linebacker were both elevated for this game off the practice squad uh so they were active for the game inactive for the game were Mitch Trubisky listed as the third quarterback TJ Watt with that injury he was dealing with Darius Rush still still uh, inactive the corner Dylan Cook the offensive lineman Blake Martinez the other inside linebacker DeMarvin Leal the defensive lineman and Elijah Riley the other safety so a lot of defensive guys um outside of you know Dylan Cook and Mitch Trubisky um didn't help unfortunately James I don't know what more to say already <laughs> I'm already just frustrated yeah yeah it was a, a frustrating start of the game you know um you could tell that the Bills coaching staff put together a really good game plan. They clearly watched what Pittsburgh struggled with throughout the season. Uh, for some reason on the first defensive series, Pittsburgh marched out Michael Walker out there, and I was very confused by that. Um, he got used and abused like normal. Um, Elandon Roberts was real up and down on the game. Uh, we did get a chance to see Miles Jack and Mark Robinson on the second drive. Yep. Uh, they had a little bit more success at times, but they also got abused at times too. Uh, so I feel like one of my biggest takeaways from this game was the middle linebacker core just wasn't good enough. Uh, and that, I guess, is to be expected because uh, when you look at the four guys that played in this game, one of them was mostly just a special teamer all season long until all the injury. Uh, one of them was basically playing with one arm with an injured pectoral muscle, and he was one of the, the three original starters at the end of the year. Uh, and then the other two were practice squad or retired during the season at one point in time. Yep. Uh, so just a, a very vastly depleted middle linebacker core in the tight ends absolutely abused them uh, in the first two drives just horribly. Yeah. And for touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, not a fun time uh, by any means. With that being said, let's talk about this. So Mason Rudolph obviously got the start at quarterback. Um, played a, a semi-decent game or even a decent game. I don't know how you want to call it. Uh, it's just tough when you throw an interception in the end zone. Um, it's it's tough when you – I know you, are, you already want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> th no, a no, no. Honestly, it was a bad ball. Yeah. Uh, the decision to throw to Deontay was probably a bad decision. If you were going to make that throw, the ball needed to be out of bounds where Deontay could try to drag his toes inbounds but be catching it out of bounds. Yep. Um, none of that was right. He did not throw an accurate ball and probably should have thrown it to somebody else because the coverage was good. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just a bad decision and worse placement, unfortunately, on that one. I'm not going to defend him. There's nothing to defend there. Okay. Um, I felt like overall, Mason had a tough day from the having time in the pocket perspective. Yeah. Had multiple of his passes batted down, so the defensive lineman for the Bills understood that if they weren't going to get there, they needed to get their hands up. They did a good job of timing their jumps uh, in order to deflect a few of those passes and give him less opportunities. Also, there were multiple times where Mason was throwing the ball and he could complete the motion. Somebody was hitting his arm. Yep. Uh, so I would say there was probably at least four or five of his, his total incompletions that were either the ball was batted down or his arm while he was throwing it. Uh, and that just makes for a difficult day. So for him to work his way through that and still get two passing touchdowns, only have the one turnover, I agree with you 100%. Like, a decent day, not a great day. It's tough to even call it a good day. Yeah. It wasn't a bad day per se, but in the playoffs, you've got to have at least a good day, right? It's yeah. It's got to be better than that. I and mean, I think a, a large part of that, to me, a, a large part of that, what? Say that again? The offensive line just didn't do a good job protecting them. No. No, the offensive line uh, actually got called out by, I believe, Ed Oliver. Uh, from the Bills after the game. I don't know what he said, um, but probably, hey, we owned you and made you, you know. It's fair. They did. <laughs> they did. Yeah. They 100% did. Uh, I mean, even the running game. And, and yep. again, this, you, you kind of hoped we came out and ran a little bit more, ran a little bit harder. There were only, uh, what, 21 designed runs in this game. Eight of them went to Jalen Warren for 38 yards. 12 went to Najee Harris for 37 yards, one less. Um, and then Mason had two scrambled for 16 yards and George Pickens had a run for 15 yards. So I wish we would have got that ground game going because I think that would have been the difference maker in this game. Uh, Pittsburgh fell behind so quickly and in, in the way that they did that you become one dimensional. You have to throw the ball to get the ball downfield. Uh, the fans were throwing snowballs at players trying to make catches, which I think is ridiculous. Um, but that's Buffalo for you. Class act. <laughs> And you had to know that was going to happen when they didn't have the snow. Yep. Like it, it was before the game even started, you knew there were going to be snowballs thrown at the field. That's the way that works. Anytime there's a ton of snow in a stadium, yep. uh, they just, for whatever reason, they did not have staff ready uh, and relied on people coming to the stadium. They relied uh, on fans. <laughs> they relied on fans paying them 20 bucks an hour to come clear the stadium and then the problem with that was there was a travel ban. So pretty much the only people that could get there were the people that live by. And if you've ever been to the stadium, it is in the middle of like a neighborhood. It uh, is. So oh, there it are is. houses. Yeah, there are houses nearby. But there's only so many people that are going to walk through a blizzard to go shovel out a stadium for 20 bucks an hour. Honestly, that's not that great of an income days. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens when you don't clear a stadium. You get snowballs thrown all over. Yeah, so that is what it is. Uh, Mason Rudolph, to go back to this, too, was 22 of 39 for 229 passing yards. Two touchdowns, one interception. Um, touchdowns just didn't come early and often enough. Pittsburgh didn't score their first touchdown until uh, after a blocked field goal, and it was a pass to Deontay Johnson, and it was basically the, the end of the half. There was a minute 39 left in the quarter, I, I believe, at that point, or left in the half. So, unfortunately, just couldn't get the ball moving enough. Uh, talking about these receivers. Uh, well, let's talk about the running game. 
I felt like Jalen Warren still ran very hard. I felt like Najee uh, partially didn't have room. And then when he did, I don't know if it's just if it was the, the turf or the, you know, the snow or the ground. What I, I just felt like he wasn't running with power like he normally does. I, I felt like when he did have room, as soon as one defender hit him, three or four more came real quick. Yep. And he didn't get the support on his end that he had in previous weeks. Uh, in previous weeks, we were talking about how Pat Fry would get into that pile and move it, uh, and how we'd see Broderick Jones and some of the other offensive linemen get into the pile and move it. I felt like the defenders rallied to the football very quickly before the offensive linemen did, and that made a big difference in the game because Najee was basically one-on-three or four nonstop in this game, trying to outmuscle three or four defenders. Uh, at the same time, and that's too tall of a, a task to ask for any running back. Not even Derrick Henry's winning those situations. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving on to the receivers, Pat Fryermuth five receptions for seventy six yards. A great day for him. George Pickens five for fifty. Uh, the five for fifty would look better if he wasn't targeted more than double that amount of times. He was targeted eleven, only had five catches. Uh, Deontay Johnson four for forty eight in the touchdown. Jalen Warren two for sixteen. Najee, two for 15. Allen Robinson, two for 12 before he got injured. Uh, Calvin Austin, one for seven for that one touchdown. And Connor, yeah, great touchdown too. Uh, and Connor Hayward, one for five. The ball got around to a lot of players, which we haven't been seeing as often. Uh, mm -hmm. Just couldn't get the ball downfield and get in, in a scoring position and punch the ball in. Very unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, and early on in this game, again, had an issue with fumbling the ball like they did the week previous. Mm -hmm. uh, George Pickens on the first offensive drive uh, catches the ball for like seven or eight yards, stretches forward to try to get a couple more, and in the process of doing so, fumbled the ball, turned it over, and then the Bills scored on the very next play on a touchdown pass to their tight end, Kincaid. Um, you can't have fumbles in those situations. Literally, he's trying to stretch out to get extra yards. He's trying to get the first down. You know, He's fighting for every yard. That's what you want from your players. You want them to fight for every single yard, uh, but you got to be able to hold on to the ball in the situation. So, um, And then later on, I thought, honestly, um, when Pat Fryermuth fumbled his, uh, I think we kind of got away with one on that one. See him touch the ball <laughs> yeah. while he was out of bounds. Uh, so I felt like that one bounced in our way, and that one was a good hit by the defender. The defender knocked that one out. But, again, these guys, got to they got to secure the ball better. Um, yeah, 100%. So that's, that's just – that's an issue for sure. Uh, it was nice to see, uh, of all the, the things that were low points in this game, I do want to point out, I thought Pat Fryermuth looked very good in this game. Other oh, than my that gosh, fumble, yeah. Um, Pat was a very serious offensive weapon again. If he can take that momentum into next season and stay injury-free next season – uh, then I think you're right back to what he was those first two seasons, uh, at which point you're really going to have to pay the man. Uh, but, yeah, yeah uh, a nice step in the right direction for him. And, and Deontay Johnson, I think we should all kind of breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. This year his hands were much more reliable than they were in previous seasons, uh, and he did not go back to that annoying catch the ball and try to do a three yards backwards thing. Uh, that pretty much went completely out of his arsenal uh, and he converted a lot of first downs and started getting a lot of touchdowns at the end of the year too. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm I'm optimistic on him in future years based on how he cl cleaned out and closed out the season. 
Yeah. No, you definitely are correct. Um, with that being said, uh, they, uh, we'd already kind of talked about the offensive line. I don't even have anything to say. They played horrible. The the run blocking was almost non-existent. The pass blocking was a struggle here and there. Uh, don't get me wrong. Buffalo came with a, a great mix of blitzes and looks, but you have to expect that. I mean, it's playoff football. Um, I was really hoping that at this point we'd see them play better offensive line uh, blocking yeah. schemes and just figure out more things at this point. I mean, it's been all year. So I'm I'm not 100% sure, but it is what it is. The offensive line didn't do their job in this game, and that is very, very clear during every highlights you can watch. So Yeah, absolutely. And and you got to feel like there's going to be a bit of a shakeup next season, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the guards, I feel like, gave you adequate play to this season and at times pretty good play. Uh, so I don't want anything to change with Amalo and James Daniels. Uh, Broderick Jones had some real high points as far as run blocking, some struggles from time to time in pass blocking. I want to see him on the left side next year. No more of this right side stuff. He played most of his college ball on the left side. Um, I I get it. We ran into a situation with two. They didn't want to play him anymore. I completely get that. He's going to get cut in the off season. There's no way they pay a backup offensive tackle $10 million next year. Uh, So we'll be moving on from Chuk Sikora for uh, but they got to figure this out, and they got to get Broderick Jones back on the left side. And I think they need to upgrade that center, too. I don't think Mason Cole's good enough. No. Um, especially the last couple of games, there was a lot of low snaps um, causing plays to timing to be off on plays. Uh, you, you can't do that, man. Everybody gets a bad snap here and there, but when it's five or six a game, uh, you just need an upgrade at that position. And too many times this year, he got put on skates and just absolutely driven back into the backfield way too many times so we need a more athletic dude who's more consistent with his snaps uh, and has a better anchor and can handle that bull rush of these big guys yeah yeah uh moving on to the defensive side of the ball the defensive front i thought played kind of well for the most part um it's tough when you look at the stats and see the you know the james cook for 80 yards and josh allen for almost 80 yards uh processing the rushing game but they also um, had two sacks, you know, one from, I guess that's not defensive front. I mean, it is defensive front. Alex Highsmith no, and Marcus Golden. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but you also have to process, I mean, Cam Hayward got involved. He had six total tackles. Um, mm-hmm. you, you got Larry Ogunjobi with five total tackles and one tackle for loss. Cam Hayward also had a tackle for loss. Uh, Keanu Benton with five tackles combined on the game, which was great for him to be involved. They just didn't do enough. Armand Watts came in, didn't see a lot from him. Montrevious Adams came in a little bit, didn't see a whole lot from him. Um, Just sucks. I felt like you had two defensive linemen that were stout against the run and another one who was not. And that has been the issue with Larry Ogunjobi all season. Uh, He's a highly athletic dude, but he wins through penetration. So he got that one tackle for loss, right? That was great. But when you watched him the rest of the game, he's going against a six foot eight tackle who had much longer arms than him. And you could tell because he was constantly trying to crash inside, commit to one side or the other. And when you're playing run defense, your job is to get into the man's pad, stand him up, and then wait to see which way you need to go, shed and go that way. Well, he can't do that because his arms are so much shorter than these offensive tackles. He's better against guards because of that. But in your base defense, He's not going against guards. He's going against the offensive tackles, and he knows he's going to lose that leverage and 
battle. So he's trying to just defeat them early, get penetration and disrupt the play. And by doing so, he's opening up huge holes sometimes. Yep. Uh, and that's an issue, man. So they got to figure that out. Uh, if you keep Larry Joby for next season, which at the cost that he is, I wouldn't be a fan of. If you can get him to take a pay cut, okay, maybe. Uh, you need a better base defensive end for the 3-4 because that's just not him. And he's not a nose tackle. He's a penetration style 4-3 defensive tackle that we're trying to put into different molds and it's not working. And he isn't giving us much as a pass rusher either. So that's an issue. He's just not a scheme fit for the Steelers defense. Yeah. I mean, Larry, uh, Larry Ogunjobi is much better. So no, I mean, Ogunjobi is on a three year, $28.75 million deal. Um, that's, yeah. a, that's averaging nine and a half a year. That's just not worth it. Um, and that and was he, signed last season, right? Yeah. Like it's, this it's, was the first it expires 2026. For, yeah. yeah. That's a problem in my book. Yeah, big problem. Um, he's, I believe he's in the top. Let me see, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's in the top five Ooh. average salary paid guys. So, what breaking you got, news, Cody? What's the breaking news? The Steelers have signed seventeen reserve, which is typically guys off of the practice squad getting signed to a futures contract. Yep. Uh, but. I've got a list here. Hopefully yep. it's just it just came through. On, it just came through on my phone. It just must go to your yeah. ears faster because you're closer to Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's got to be it, buddy. You just get the more direct just line. A really long arm. Okay, so uh, cornerback Luke Barku is going to be him. Uh, that is not unexpected at all. Uh, offensive tackle Tyler Beach. Wide receiver Marquez Callaway. Fullback Jack Coletto. I didn't even know he was on the team. Not the fullback that uh, we we signed after after he yeah, retired after, or whatever. <laughs> October, yeah, October 9th, practice squad. Uh, offensive tackle Kellen Deach. Uh, Kellen, I believe, was like a mid pick. Uh, yeah. So he's got a little bit of pedigree. He might be something for the future. Safety Jalen Elliott, we knew about him. Yep. Uh, he's actually had a little bit of time with Pittsburgh. Guard Joey Fisher, he was uh, on the preseason squad. Wide receiver Dez Fitzpatrick, nice to see Dez on that futures contract. Yep. Uh, offensive tackle Devery Hamilton, uh, also signed to a futures contract. Offensive tackle Anderson Hardy, I'm detecting a theme. There's like four or five offensive tackles here. Already, yeah. Cody. I think Chooks is in trouble. Uh, wide receiver Kalen Harris. Uh, defensive lineman Jonathan has been on the practice squad for like three years now. Uh, center Ryan McCollum, same for him. He practice squad multiple years. Yep. Wide receiver Denzel Mim. Uh, so nice to see that he'll get a chance to make the team again next year. Running back Aaron Shampkin, defensive lineman Jacob Slade, and wide receiver Deuce Watts. Solid. So those 17 men will be competing for spots on the Steelers roster next season. Yeah, practice squad. Let's be real. <laughs> maybe, maybe Des. And maybe a couple uh, of those, of those tackles. tackles might make the team. Man. At this point, you're not wrong. Um, I mean, depending on what they do, if they like Dylan Cook, Dylan Cook could get into that rotation, maybe even Pittsburgh next year. Maybe that maybe Kellen Deesh ends up your number four. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and all this is going to be very important with Pittsburgh being in the whole almost 7 million right now. They're going to do have to do a bunch of uh, readjusting things this off season. Uh, but let's get back to this game. Sorry, we got off a, a yeah. little bit. Um, 
we, we talked about we wanted to get it out there. Yeah, we, we talked about <laughs> the guys getting uh, the sacks with Alex Highsmith, which is great. Alex Highsmith is, is making himself a household name. Uh, Marcus Golden, the veteran, being consistent there. That was nice to get that from him, especially with TJ Watt out. Um, yeah. Didn't see a whole lot from Herbig. He only had one tackle yeah, in the game. He didn't which play was, much. No, he didn't, which was very unfortunate. I wish he would have played more. I don't understand yeah. that at all. He's got. Yeah. He has to be injured. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. No, I think what it was, if you had to, if if it was my opinion on this, um, I think because Marcus Golden is so much bigger and stronger, they wanted him for run defense. Yeah. Um, because, you know, and with Buffalo running so successfully against Pittsburgh like they were, the last thing they wanted to do is take one of the bigger outside linebackers off and put a smaller one. It ain't on. like it helped. So, <laughs> no. Well, and they weren't the guys that were losing. That's the problem. That's true. Between the tackles. That's true. You know, it was the defensive linemen that were losing the battles times out of 10. So, yeah. Atlanta yeah. Roberts had five tackles on the day. Mark Robinson had five tackles on the day. Miles Jack had four tackles on the day um, to round out that that middle linebacker crew. Unfortunately, they couldn't keep up with tight ends. I don't know who got burned on that. Not burned, but like the, I think it was zone on that Kincaid touchdown. Um, yeah. Robert or no, uh, miles Jack. He was nobody had support over the top. And I think he was pretty sure he was supposed to have safety help over the top. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was Jack's guy, but that's a tough matchup. Yeah. Yeah, very tough matchup for him. Especially, I mean, Kincaid's a very talented uh, tight end as well. So we we obviously talked about Michael Walker being in already as well. Um, mm-hmm. In the secondary, Joey Porter had a decent game, I thought. Yeah, yeah. You hate to see a guy leave. Always hate that, right? Uh, hate, hate to I see a guy what? Leave a game injured. Yeah, oh, 100%. Uh, especially when it's your number one corner, especially when he gets hit in the back while making a tackle in the head in the head. Uh, and I just want to point this out. That pass was about down the field and that offensive lineman hit him like a second after the catch happened, which means that offensive lineman was illegal on the field because he was not at the line of scrimmage when that happened. So there should have been a penalty for illegal man downfield. There should have been a penalty for blocking in the back at the least. Yep. There right? should have He's been a lot of penalties in this game. Let's be real. Back, and then he got hit in the head as well. So yeah, there was at least two two penalties should have been called on that play that were not. Uh, but more importantly, kind of a cheap shot there cost us our number one corner. I mean, at that point, you're pretty far behind anyway. Uh, but that was the only fast corner we had. Yep. That was it. That was the only one. The other guys are all or slow or both. Uh, and so that was a major problem for Pittsburgh when that wouldn't happen, unfortunately. Um, also, Allen Robinson got hit in the face in concussed, and I don't know how the hell that didn't get called. Yeah, I don't know how. That, I mean, there were holding calls. There were a bunch of stuff that didn't get called um, on the Bills. I mean, and I mean, we saw it's George. It's the player safety stuff to me, you know? Yeah. Like, there's always going to be games where it seems one-sided to one fan base and seems one-sided to the other, right? Uh, but like I didn't even realize until after the game was starting to become a big thing on social media and I saw it from a different angle that on that long touchdown run by Josh Allen that he did a fake slide. Yep. And it's pretty obvious that that's what he's doing when he slows down and kind of half crouches he, down Yeah, sideways. he like leaned a and little bit. It, I thought it was really weird in live time that it looked like none of the defensive backs wanted to tackle him, right? 
everybody slowed up all of a sudden. And I didn't realize why until I saw the playback. And I said, oh, yeah, they all slowed up because he looked like he was about to slide. Yep. And that's an insane advantage for him because we're talking about a 205-pound, highly athletic quarterback yep. and a bunch of 190, 200-pound defensive backs. And when you take away the only advantage they had, which is the momentum, now it's a major advantage for that highly athletic, very strong quarterback who's basically the size of a linebacker tight end. Yeah, and like, then we saw later on, and this is the one thing that I don't agree with, and I can I can easily be coherent enough and, and understanding enough of the game of football and how this all played out. I don't blame that on, I, like later on he did slide and get a, we got a late hit call or unnecessary roughness call on Miles Jack. I yeah. don't blame that on that play. I don't blame... Miles Jack made a stupid decision to go down and hit that. Like that's, I'm not saying it's easily avoidable, but it was the wrong play. I don't blame that reaction or that hit on the fact that he like fake slid earlier. And a lot of people online are saying, you know, that's not a fake slide. That's not this. That's not that. A hundred percent. It whether he started to do a slide motion or not. When a quarterback slows up and leans anyway, you're going to assume he's going to slide because that's and what's expected. That is and 100% what's sideways. expected. Yeah. Whether yeah. you want to label it a fake slide or not, it was some form of fake and it faked the defense out in a, in a way that I think we saw Kenny Pickett do. I think maybe not quite as drastic of a movement, but same. And that got flagged as illegal after that. So I don't know. Yeah. And, and to me, the one miles jack hit josh allen man he couldn't have slid any later than he did and and miles jack held up and there was never any contact to his head and as he was coming to the ground he even pulled his hands and shoulders back like this because it was too late yeah he had already came in for the tackle before josh allen decided to slide uh so you can't really penalize a guy for that one that long to take a slide motion especially if you don't even get a hit in the head I thought that was real ticky tack to call that one personally. I thought it was real soft. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree completely uh, with that. Talking about the safeties real quick. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, 10 tackles, one tackle for a loss. Patrick Peterson played a little bit of uh, positions. He was mostly playing corner, if I remember correctly, but three tackles. Uh, and then you also had, where is his stats? Eric Rowe had a pretty decent game with tackles, didn't he? He did. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Another seven tackle game for him. So those were the two guys. Yeah. Uh, Casey only had two tackles on the day. So nothing too wild from him. But again, and Casey was the only one that got a clear shot on Josh Allen yard run and just basically kind of got run over. Yeah. Um, kind of a, a summary of the season for him. That's how it started off against the 49ers when he came in for a tackle and Brandon Ayuk just absolutely threw him. Uh, and then it ends the same way with him attempting to tackle one of the biggest quarterbacks in the NFL and just being too small. Yeah. Just being too small. So I feel like that's an adjustment just needs to make for next season. Uh, understand that KZ's strength is never going to be in, in that situation with bigger guys. And you need to go a different direction for a starter that's on the field all the time. Uh, as a supplemental guy, okay, fine. Uh, he's got a good nose for the ball. He's got pretty good instincts. Uh, but a guy like Eric Rowe, I think, is a much better compliment for Mika Fitzpatrick. That's a takeaway for me at the end of the season mm-hmm. is that what we got out of Eric Rowe at the end of this season is probably the best safety next to Minka that we've seen yet, including all the years with Terrell. Yes. I thought I thought Eric Rowe really represented himself very 
in those last four or five weeks that he got the opportunity to start. Uh, I was really impressed with him. I guess it was only four games total because uh, he got elevated from the practice squad each of those games. You're only allowed to do that three times in the regular season, and then it resets in the postseason. You can do it as many times as you want in the postseason. So if they were to have been able to make a run, they would have never have to actually brought him up from the from the practice squad to the 53. They could have kept him on there the whole time. Um, yeah. And just uh, elevated him every single game. But I really thought that Eric Rowe made a big difference in a lot of games. He had some turnovers. He had some broken up passes. Uh, and just looked the part, and he's the right size too. You know, he's almost. I think we looked it up before, and he was almost identical size to Mika Fitzpatrick. Uh, so if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm prioritizing getting a contract done with Eric Rowe early in the offseason to bring him back as the piece next to Mika Fitzpatrick. I'm not worried about the fact that he's like 31 years old. Just do like a two-year deal. It's going to buy you a little time to find that strong safety of the future with a guy who's played better than what we've seen in a while at that position. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of wraps up the game summary. I mean, we also want to talk about Boswell. Boswell was perfect on the day, yeah. per usual. Boswell was, was great. Presley Harvin was bad. Yeah. Uh, Boswell's really sugar-coated anymore. They probably need to go a different direction this offseason than Presley. Yeah. Boswell's uh, still perfect on his career and postseason games. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Never missed a field goal or, or extra point in postseason. Um, That's cool. But also with that being said, something that I want to point out here, the difference in this game, and I think the difference in Pittsburgh, the, the, it's been the difference maker for a while now, is Pittsburgh starts off slow. Pittsburgh can never come out of the gate like 75% of the other teams in the league and put up points in the first quarter, put up points in the first half. If you look at the scoreboard, the only difference on the scoreboard is the first quarter. We scored the same amount of points of them in the second, third, and fourth, but they outscored mm-hmm. us 14 to nothing in the first. And before this game, uh, Alex Kazora from Steelers Depot wrote an article about some weird stats or stats of the weird is what he calls it. Yeah, yeah, um, he does that. <laughs> Pittsburgh this season, excluding this game, has been outscored 66 to nothing in the first quarter. To nothing? E- excuse me. Um, it says 66 to nothing. Yeah, in I'm the first quarter. I'm pretty sure they scored on their opening drives a couple of I don't know. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's a sixty-six point differential. I think. I think. I we're think talking he typed it wrong. Postseason. I think we're talking postseason appearances. Because I know it's really oh, ugly ex- in the Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, last five playoff it's games. It's a postseason. Yeah, that's a postseason um, article. Yeah, but I'm still very curious to see what show. we are. Excuse me. I'm still very curious to it see. It was where ugly we are. this season, but there were a couple of games with Mace that they did come out fast and scored and were up fourteen nothing. Yeah. Um, so there was some of that this season, but overall, you're absolutely right. More games than not, they came out flat in the first quarter and the other team scored first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we saw that a couple of times in Mason's games where he won uh, those first two weeks where he got uh, 290 yards passing, then 275 yards passing, and it was 34 weeks points the one week and 30 the next. I want to say they scored twice before the other team scored in both of those games. Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's average points per for the first quarter this year, three point four. Yeah, that's rough, man. Yeah, and how many of that was in those two games is, <laughs> yeah, what I'm very curious personally. So I think that was two of the only ones of the season. I'm cu- and I'm um, curious here, real quick, because I want to know the difference. Um, 
I'm going to look the Bengals game because I know that was one of them. So Bengals game, they scored the first 24 points. So seven points in the first quarter in that game. So uh, And then the Colts game would have been the other one, I'm pretty sure. They scored the first six points in the first quarter on that one. So 13 points of those came in those two games uh, where we did blank our opponents in the first quarter, and they were both Mason games. Uh, this is very interesting stat here. Actually, um, no though the one was a <laughs> the one was a Mitch Trubisky game. I'm sorry. Um, so the Seahawks. It was three games in a row that we outscored the opponent in the first quarter: six to nothing, seven nothing, seven nothing. Yeah. Um, I will say this real quick: Two all the four, teams. I'm sorry, the Ravens game too. The last four regular season, we scored a touchdown in the first quarter. So it at least shows you some promise for what the coaching staff was able to do at the end of the year. One team that is still in the playoffs had a lower average than us, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 2.9 points. <laughs> but they've had their own season, and Baker Mayfield has been doing his own thing. Uh, well, does it say how many the total points were? Because 27 of them came in the last four weeks. What do you mean? 20? Oh, no, I don't have that breakdown. 27 total points. I'm I'm kind of curious now. The total number was what? How many per? Three point four. Three point four points per game. So if we go twenty-seven divided by seventeen games. One point five eight of that was in the final four games. So almost more than almost half of that total. So one point. You said one point eight. One point six. Okay, so subtract that one point six. Yeah. We are we're sitting at one point eight. One point eight. If you subtract 1.6, 3.9, 3.4, 3.4, 3.4. Oh, it was 3.4. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's 1. 1.8. 1. That would put us so at 31st. Almost half of the total points. Yeah. That would almost put us at 31st. The, almost half of the total points scored in the first quarter were scored in the final four weeks. Yep. Which, which was a different offensive coordinator. Now I'm curious to go back further. <laughs> to, see, to see more <laughs> was it all was it all with a new offensive yeah. uh here we go to the patriots game we had three points in the quarter against the patriots okay. so add that to it cardinals was also on a different offensive coordinator three points in the first quarter on that one as well <laughs> oh no yeah Bengals was the first game, right? That yep. was Bengals was without. the first game without. We him. didn't. We did not score in that game in the first quarter. So it was. It's. Tw you said twenty-seven points, and then add another six. six so thirty-three divided by seventeen mm -hmm. is one point nine four. Yeah. So game that in the final six weeks. Yeah. So we yeah. would have. We that would have put us under. Uh, we would have been Way ranked thirty-second. We would have been ranked thirty-second. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't for these last few games with Mason and the last few weeks without. Uh, and if you would have taken the average of what we did in the last six weeks, we're probably closer to the middle of the pack. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, yeah. you had Dallas at 7.2, which they got well, blown here, out. Here, let me let me just again math it real quick. We, that was 33 points divided by six games would have been five and a half. Where would five and a half sit on the 5. list? 5.5 would be in sixth place. Sixth best? Sixth best. Yeah, so there you go. The the same offense with a different offensive coordinator in two of those games were not good offensive games. Yeah. But they still scored in the first quarter in those games. 
would have been the sixth best scoring offense in the first quarter in the entire NFL. Yep. Detroit second, who's still in the playoffs. Uh, San Francisco's third. Baltimore's fifth. Um, I'm looking at teams that's still in the playoffs. Buffalo is ninth. And Green Bay's 14th. Kansas City's 15th. Houston's 19th. And then you have Tampa Bay, who's 26th. So That shows you some things. It does show you some things. I'm tired of seeing us walk out and not have any go get them attitudes. It it just doesn't seem like Pittsburgh's ready to, it doesn't seem like they're prepared to play games. Sorry. It shows you how much that offensive Canada was holding back. Yeah. That if just getting rid of him and promoting a couple guys from interior, the average of what they produced with those guys coaching instead would have been sixth best offense scoring in the first quarter. tells you a lot. Yeah. That tells you the preparation and game plan from those guys was drastically better than what we got out of Canada. Yep. No, 110%. Um, with that being said, we're going to stop kind of talking about this game and start, stop talking about the, the, the Steelers for now. Uh, we did talk briefly about the injuries. You saw the injury with Joey Porter. Um, yep. Concussion. Yep. There, who was the other injury? Now I forgot. Uh, Allen Robinson had a Allen Robinson. Well, and then uh, Pat Frymuth had an ankle, didn't look severe. He returned to the game. So, um, at least in the last few weeks here, we didn't have any significant injuries. Nobody had any ACLs or anything. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of, it is what it is right now. We should be starting next preseason with a healthy roster from everyone that's returning from the current roster. So that's that's at least a promising thing. Yeah. Um, I will also point out that we it, we'll, t- we'll talk about it very briefly. Mike Tomlin did walk out of a post-game press conference uh, where he was beginning to be, the question didn't even get asked. Uh, somebody all the way. Yeah. The question didn't even get the whole way out before he walked away. Uh, it was brought up that he has one year left on his contract. And at that, when the person said one year, he was gone. Uh, he walked out of that press conference because it's just not the time and place to ask. Uh, they have yeah. their, the coaches have their end of year, uh, press conference, which I believe already happened at this point, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be wrong. I thought that might've happened today, but, or yesterday, but I don't know. But either way, it was just a bad timing. That's not, Mike Tomlin not wanting to address the media about it. It was just the fact that that was not the time nor place uh, to yeah. be answering those questions. Coach T will be coming back. Uh, I have no doubt in that. I don't know if he's going to sign a contract already, extension or anything like he that. He already announced it to the players that he will be coaching. Yeah. Anyone who's out there saying we give up on it, it's not happening. Uh, and if you're that adamant about not wanting to see Mike come, Tomlin coach the Steelers don't watch next year uh, because he's going to be your coach and things are progressing in the right direction we had one more win than last year got into the playoffs and didn't look completely out of place yep. for once it was other than the fact that the Bills got off to such a fast start it was a competitive game and they felt like they could really come back up until the very end uh, so I you gotta feel like honestly with with what we had to struggle with, what we had to do this season, with losing your Pro Bowl wide receiver week one, losing your your Pro Bowl defensive tackle week one, uh, losing Heath Miller, or not Heath Miller, but Pat Fryermuth for like seven weeks. Yep. Uh, you lost Minka Fitzpatrick for a significant amount of the season. And we even talked uh, about just the difference Matt Canada being outmade just with the first yeah. quarter. So there was a lot. There's a lot going on. And we on. still never got a definitive answer at the quarterback. Right? The best quarterback play we got was from the third string quarterback the last three weeks of the season. The rest of the season, it was mediocre at best and sometimes bad. 
and 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 I'm going to put this out there. Kenny Pickett starting yeah. next year. If anyone has any other plans than that, I don't think there's anything else that could happen unless he has I, a horrible, horrible preseason. He and Mason shows up, or someone else they bring in. Uh, Mason or uh, M- uh, Kenny is going to be the starter. So I think if they're able to re-sign Mason and bring him back and get rid of Mitch, which I think that'll be kind of a, an easy decision to move on from Mitch and save that cap space. Yep. Um, I think if you're able to retain Mason on to your deal, whatever, um, I think they'll give a, him a legitimate shot yep. at actually being a real competition this time as to where before it wasn't a three-man competition. It was it was worded that way. Uh, but when you watch the preseason games, Mason never came in early man in those preseason games. So it was not a true three-way competition. It was a two-way between Trubisky and Kenny, Kenny's yep. rookie season. Yep. Um, obviously, Mitch does not need to. I think Mason can really push Kenny next season. And I think that if Kenny beats him out and Mason's making a bunch of money as the backup quarterback, I think what we could possibly see is the best version of Kenny Pickett that we've seen yet. Let's not forget his first two years as back at Pitt were not all that impressive. His third year is when he absolutely blew it up and had like 45 touchdown passes and like six interceptions and a ridiculous amount of yards. And he was incredible that third season. Sometimes you just need a little bit more time to get comfortable with everything around. He's going to be getting all the same weapons back. So he's not going to have to get familiar with new wide receivers or new tight ends or new running backs or None of that. It's going to be all and the, the same. Guys and they will get back. an. Uh, they will bring in a new offensive coordinator. I do not expect this they offense. That it's not going to be someone in house at this point. Um, I don't think so either. I, I think you give Eddie Faulkner a chance to interview for it at least. I doubt they'll do Mike Sullivan. Uh, I didn't think he did an awful job with play calling, but it wasn't so incredible that you're going to give him the job. I don't think. No. But I don't think Eddie Faulkner did a bad job in. Yeah. So I, there's a lot of things to look forward to. There's a lot of exciting things with the Steelers going ahead. I mean, it's gonna we're gonna be talking about uh, college stuff and then the combine and it, this off is gonna be rolling very very quickly again. Uh, unfortunate that the Steelers ended this way. That's been the longest drought since 1970 for Steelers to have a playoff victory. Um, the 80s did it better than we're doing right now, which is just wild. I think there's and, and this is the one thing I will say. I do not think Mike Tomlin is the problem, but I do believe that he uh, should be partially to blame with things that are coming out of players' mouths and and information. Players saying that there's not enough in-house. Um, oh, what did Najee say? In-house like consequences or stuff like that, or I can't remember the term he used correctly. It like but, structure, yeah, like, just like there wasn't enough rigidness of structure to Najee. Yeah, and um, so I think that, that that's going to get fixed this offseason. I, I truly believe that we're going to see a different Mike Tomlin next next year than what we've seen in his career so far. Um, and I'm actually looking forward to that a lot. So, Yeah, don't expect him to be nicer to the media. No. He's got more criticism under him than he has before. Uh, and expect him probably to be a little bit short media members, but they have it coming for what they've been saying. About yeah, yeah, 110%. But so we're excited for that. Again, be looking for these podcast episodes, the new episodes to come out on YouTube and on, if you're listening to it on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, 
uh, on Sundays or Monday mornings at the latest. So again, thank you guys so much for a uh, 2022, 2023 season. Uh, excuse me, 2023. Yeah. 24. <laughs> uh, as far as the, the NFL season goes, our season doesn't stop here. Uh, we will still continue to do shows. Occasionally we'll be even throwing out special episodes. Um, if we find, you know, special guests and people we want to have on the show, maybe we throw a Friday show out there um, just as a surprise to you guys. So again, thank you guys so much. We'll also be on the lookout for those live YouTubes, uh, YouTube shows. We got to kind of figure that all out still. We're, there's a lot of things in the works here at Steelers by the Lake podcast. Uh, which we are excited to share with you guys. So again, thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're here on YouTube, be sure to like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Subscribe and ring the bell. It's free. And until next time, this is your host, James and Cody, signing off. Peace.